Listening Dog Media. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan, and a Liverpool fan. Hello and welcome to the penultimate episode of the Offside Rule podcast for the 2013-14 season. It's your likely lot all together once more. Myself, Lindsay Hooper. Kate Borsay, hello. And Hayley McQueen. Good morning, afternoon, evening, good day, whenever you're listening. Uh, we had fake brothers do that last week as well, trying to predict when everyone's going to download the podcast. Um, yes, well, good. You've covered all bases, haven't you? Um, let's rattle through this then, girls, because we've got so much to get through for this one. Not only have we got Sue Smith with her WSL Roundup, which is sponsored by Continental Tyres. Uh, we've also got Sean Thorne with a very good Twitter topic of the week off the back of Jack Wilshire giving uh, Paul Scholes a little bit of a phone call. Um, coming up as well in topic two, we've got playoff, player off, um, talking about the playoff finals. <laughs> Um, so we've got players who have sprung into action just for the playoff finals who might be transfer targets for the summer. And also, for our final topic of the day, football comes second. Uh, this is off the back of Julio Iglesias. Uh, once upon a time was a goalkeeper for Real Madrid, did you not know? But obviously more famous for music. I'm thinking of others. Can we think and rack our brains of other people that are more famous for something else but started out life in football? Uh, you'll have to wait for that one, though, because first, girls, it's FA Tick. Talk. It took me a long time to come up with that title, by the way. Well, I best describe what it's all about then. Um, it might be quite self-explanatory, but because Arsenal, after nine seasons of hurt, uh, got their trophy Whee! drought behind them um, in the FA Cup final, I thought FA TikTok extra time. So let's look back on FA Cup finals that went to extra time and got won in dramatic fashion over the years. Pick out the one that stands out for you. Um, I did feel sorry for Hull City, by the way. Didn't anybody else? We had loads of people as well saying we're, we're rooting for the bumblebees. I was like, um, what? <laughs> I know, Tiger's more like the stripes are the wrong way round. <laughs> we were there, weren't we, Linz? And we had a great day out 
at Wembley watching the FA Cup final. Um, and it was a fantastic, what a great game to see. Two goals in the first 10 minutes. And then Arsenal, of course, slowly made their way back into it. But by goodness, Arsenal are Arsenal through and through. They had to make life difficult for themselves. And it was frustrating. I, I don't know, did they deserve to win? I guess they did. But I'm really pleased for Hull fans that, that, that they were right in it for a large amount of the game. Um, before the game, John Motson was a guest in the FA Club, wasn't he? And we must thank the FA for going along. And um, in there, he gave his prediction. Now, thankfully, I gave my prediction before Motto, otherwise people would have thought that I was copying. But I did say 2-2, as did he. I think he got it even more accurate because I think he said Arsenal to win an extra time as well. Um, but it, it was such a good day, such a good an occasion. And at one point, I really thought that Hull City might do it. Oh, I did. I just thought, after 10 minutes, oh my God. Gosh, are we going to witness a mauling of Arsenal here? Are they just going to crumble? I think we all knew that probably wasn't going to happen and they'd pull it back round. I think I was pleased for Arsene Wenger. I am a big fan of his, a lot of respect. I loved all the post-match celebrations as well when he had his shirt off like one of the players. I thought it was very funny. (laughs) I would have loved Hull to have done it for Steve Bruce, big fan of his, of course, big United fan. Um, But yeah, it was a great game to watch. So Hayley, I'm going to come to you first, actually. With that in mind, any cup finals that have gone to extra time, what's the standout one for you? Well, it was actually the first League Cup final to be played at the new Wembley Stadium. It was Tottenham looking for their first piece of silverware in nine years, up against Chelsea, who were holders. And it was an unlikely hero, Jonathan Woodgate, (laughs) finding the winning goal in extra time. We all know about Jonathan Woodgate and how unlucky he is. So unlucky he's now playing for Middlesbrough. Sorry, Middlesbrough. It's my hometown team. It's okay. I can knock them. We all know about what happened when he went to Real Madrid on his debut. But this was a cup final that he will remember. So Spurs did it. They won 2-1 back in 2008. Their first piece of silverware for nine years. Tottenham put themselves back in the game after Chelsea went ahead uh, through Drogba. There was Dimitar Berbatov converting from the spot as well um, after a, a controversial but maybe not so Wayne Bridge handball. But it was just uh, Jonathan Woodgate needing um, three minutes of that extra time and he did it. He got the winner for Tottenham Hotspur and uh, made sure that Chelsea didn't get back-to-back League Cup trophies. Kate, yours. Well, talking of Cup Finals and Extra Time, 2005 was a big year for Liverpool as a Liverpool fan, of course, with the Champions League. But let's talk FA Cup Final for this one. A year later, 2006, we're in the FA Cup Final against West Ham. We go two goals down. I'm working, by the way, not on a sports show, but I've got a very understanding Liverpool fan director in my ear who's feeding me updates. And what a magnitude of updates I had because it was like a roller coaster going two goals down, one of which was an own goal by Jamie Carragher. Absolute nightmare. The other goal scored by none other than Dean Ashton. So Liverpool 2-0 down to West Ham inside half an hour, a bit like Arsenal, of course, but it all happened a little bit quicker for them um, before Gibral Cisse showed up, knocked in a goal and Gerrard... In fact, the whole final's really known to Liverpool fans as Gerrard's final. Gerrard equalised. And what a goal that was. Even I remember it as a Manchester United fan and thought, yeah, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Well, the spectacular goal for Gerrard came with his second equaliser because West Ham yet again went up. So three to West Ham, two to Liverpool, and we're in the dying minutes of the game here. Up steps King Stephen Gerrard, the saviour of Liverpool from start to finish, and knocks in an equaliser. Literally just bailed us out. It was a long-range strike, and that's the goal that you're talking about, of course, ladies. Absolutely fantastic. So the game goes to extra time. Nothing goes on in extra time. It's like a crampathon. Everyone's cramping. <laughs> 
cramping left, right and centre. Players are hobbling around the pitch, clearly done in. I have to say West Ham, of course, faring a little bit worse than Liverpool in that. It went to penalties and as legend has it recorded, of course, Liverpool won 3-1 on penalties. It was a fantastic final. It was a very long shift for me in that particular job. I was on air trying not to squeal. I have a little, I wasn't allowed to wear a Liverpool top, but I had a little Liverpool badge, which was actually a Liverpool emblem out of a Panini sticker album that I'd managed to fashion a badge out of. That's how that's how important it was to me that I had some sign of allegiance on this TV show. Um, but yeah, it goes down in history for me. One of the great FA Cup finals. Brilliant stuff. Now I'm going back, way back, to when I was a tiny tot. Were they sweets, by the way? They were very yeah. yummy, weren't they? Tiny tots. Yeah. yeah. Yum. Anyway, I digress. Um, so, yes, I was only about four or five years old when this FA Cup final took place. I'm talking about the 1987 FA Cup final between Tottenham and Coventry City. Now, coming from the West Midlands, this is sort of something that was talked about for many years amongst my family. Um, it was Tottenham who were sort of expected and predicted to win this FA Cup final pretty much as a given. Um, and Coventry City, who for the first time in 104 years were in the FA Cup final. So you can imagine they were real underdogs going into this. Um, the thing that I remember about this story and the reason why it came to mind when we were talking about FA Cup finals that went to extra time is for a really peculiar reason. Chaz and Dave had a song. And this is back in the time when FA Cup finals, you released a song if you were yeah. in the final. And they had one called Hot Shot Tottenham. I don't know whether anyone remembers. And in the song lyrics, the thing that I remember was my family um, playing this over on, on like cassette or vinyl or whatever it was back then um, because they were, they were mocking the fact that they'd actually written these lyrics as if Spurs had won the FA Cup final in 1987. And, of course, drama takes hold. 1-1, one, 2-2, one, two, two, extra time, and Gary Mabbott's knee uh, produced the goal that Coventry City needed for the underdogs to win. So Coventry City um, really stood out that day. Um, players like Cyril Regis, which are very famous in the area that I come from, he'd had a brilliant game. Um, it, Glenn Hoddle was playing, Chris Waddle, you know, all these big names. So it's an FA Cup final that I was told about. I went back and since the the event of YouTube and the internet and everything, I've managed to go back and, and watch quite a lot of the, the clips of it. And one that I really like, and I like the under, underdog doing well, and that was Coventry City's turn. So 1987, that final. I bet Spurs didn't play the old Hot Shot song again after that, <laughs> did they, eh? It's been buried somewhere. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 3-2 in extra time, so that was a great one there. Uh, we will quickly take a break and get a roundup of all things WSL. It's courtesy of Sue Smith with our Continental Cup roundup. Here she is. Hello, ladies. Here's my weekly FAWSL roundup. Manchester City, they just seem to have turned the corner after beating Liverpool in the Continental Cup last week. They played Arsenal at the weekend and they came away 1-0 winners. Tony Duggan scoring the only goal for them and it just shows to me what, what winning a game can do and, and the confidence in the team now and they just seem to be getting better with, with every game and we did say at the start of the season it would just take a little bit of time for them to gel. Looks like that could have happened now. Birmingham beat Chelsea 2-1. Probably a surprise to a lot of teams. I think a lot of people have, have predicted Chelsea to, to be up there as, as title challengers. Um, but Birmingham beat them 2-1. Keeps the league just wide open. And, and for me, Birmingham just seems to have this fantastic team spirit and, and work ethic that's getting them a lot of good results this season. Notts County, who are still joint top leaders in the league with Liverpool, they played each other at the weekend and, and that game finished 0-0. Not the boring 0-0 game you would expect. Both teams created plenty of chances, just couldn't find the back of the net. 
Everton and Bristol also took a point apiece. The game finished 1-1 and this was another great advert for the women's game. Informed striker Nikita Paris first scored a, a brilliant lob to put the Toffees ahead and then Nikki Watts equalised with a, a header for Bristol. This season, I'm sure WSL1 is going to be the closest and most competitive yet. Moving on to WSL2, which I also think is going to be a, an exciting sort of finish to the season. Uh, my team, Doncaster Bells, we played Watford on Sunday. Really hot afternoon. Not that I'm complaining because I'm used to playing in the uh, the cold winters that, that we used to play in, which, you know, isn't pleasant. So I'm, I'm definitely not complaining about the sunshine. We actually beat them 2-0, which was great. Sunderland, who were obviously going to be title challengers this season. They beat London Bees 1-0. So both ourselves and Sunderland have, have got a 100% record in the league. So it's, it's going to be an exciting finish, I think. OK, so that's all from me uh, until next week. Thank you very much for that, Sue. Um, and loads more WSL roundups to come throughout the summer as well. We will take a little break in a couple of weeks' time. But, of course, women's football continues. Uh, we're going to move on to topic two then. And we've got lots of playoff finals happening at the moment at Wembley. A few have happened. A couple still to come. Um, so let's talk about uh, players. So the actual title for this is Playoff player off and the the indication being that the player might be moving elsewhere given some good performances so starting with Hayley McQueen um, who has been getting your attention well I've gone for a player who is at Rotherham United who when he was 19 years old playing for Ilkeston Town probably didn't think he'd be playing in a final at Wembley but lo and behold Ben Pringle of Rotherham United will be there he is in a battle for promotion now, he's a midfielder and um the story here, really quite a remarkable one. He didn't sign his first full-time contract until he was 20 years old. Derby actually picked him up. There are plenty of Derby players that can be mentioned in this topic as well. From non-league, Ilkeston Town. Two years later, just a couple of championship appearances, he was then allowed to join Rotherham in League Two on a free transfer. And my goodness, what a season he's had. And he wants to go on and do what many of the legends from Walls End Boys have done over the years. He wants to join the likes of Alan Shearer, Michael Carrick and Peter Beardsley. He wants to be mentioned in the same breath of them because they all played for the same boys club. I don't know how often this happens, but Walls End Boys Club... Um, he represented them uh, as a young player. There was also Steve Bruce as well from the North East who played for them too. World Cup hopeful. That's, you know, Fraser Foster. He's going to be playing in a World Cup and he came uh, from there as well. All spent their formative years playing for the same boys club. I can see a spin-off for the Class of 92 documentary here. So they, they've had a steady stream of players coming in year after year. And I think Ben Pringle is a really good example of a player. If you're down there in non-league... Just dream because you might as well because players like this can show you that you could actually potentially even go and play in a playoff final. You could be at Wembley. I had a couple of candidates uh, from the Derby side, but maybe one of you two have gone with one of those. I'm not too sure. If not, we'll come back to him because my other player, I was umming and eyeing between these two because the other perhaps has slightly more talent, but Ben Pringle just had a little bit more of a story for me. So Ben Pringle has the nod. I haven't got a Derby County player, but has Kate Borsay? Well, I was going to mention a couple. The one re really obvious one to mention is someone who's been linked with someone way beyond the playoffs, and that's Will Hughes, of course. How long he's going to be at Derby is one thing. But one man to pick out, he's actually from West Bromwich Albion. It's George Thorne. 
I feel like I was going to say Sean Thorne then. I got <laughs> He's coming up later. <laughs> yeah, Sean Thorne's coming up later. For now, George Thorne. Um, he's 21. He's a midfielder. Um, he had to wait, actually, to get his chance in Steve McLaren's team. Um, had to wait until um, got around... In fact, he had to wait well into March to get his chance. 11 appearances in total, but he's just got better and better as he's found his feet. Um, he was voted Derby's Man of the Match during their Championship playoff semi-final second leg against Brighton Hove and Albion. Of course, that aggregate score took them through to the playoff final against Queen's Park Rangers this weekend. Really interesting that because Steve McLaren, of course, worked under Harry Redknapp at QPR. It's a real meeting of teams, this one. He did feature for West Brom under Steve Clark, but he suffered a really bad injury. I think it was an anterior cruciate ligament um, injury and he was out for several months. He went on loan to Watford before heading to Derby. Definitely done very well at Derby. He will, if he doesn't get his opportunity at West Brom, and he should do really, but if he doesn't, then I think he'll definitely be talking to other clubs. He's talked about perhaps signing for Derby if they're promoted, but says that he won't um, really reveal anything or um, talk at any advanced level until after that playoff final. So one to mention, George Thorne, 21 years old, midfielder um, on loan from West Brom, but doing great for Derby. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go for a player that played in the Cambridge United Gateshead final, the playoff final from the conference, which has seen Cambridge United go into League Two. Um, And by the way, congratulations to everyone at Cambridge United on that. Um, I'm going for Ryan Donaldson. Now, he was key in the final. Not only did he score a cracking free kick to put them 2-0 up, he actually set up and had an assist for Hughes's earlier strike. I'm talking about Liam Hughes who put them 1-0 up. Um, the, the little bit of, I suppose, poetry, football poetry that we get occasionally is that Ryan Donaldson used to play for Gateshead. Mm-hmm. So he's going up against his former team. He was man of the match in that game and he was also man of the match back at Wembley in March because you might recall that Cambridge um, won 4-0. They beat Gosport Borough at the FA Trophy game. Uh, they won that 4-0. So two goals for Donaldson in that match as well. So him get another man of the match. He really has been getting um, lots of plaudits. He's a really versatile midfielder and striker, which I think is going to play to his benefit as well because when a League One club comes knocking for him, which I think they will, he has got that versatility within the squad, hasn't he? So I think Ryan Donaldson could be making a leap, not just from League Two. I think he might skip a league over the summer and go up to League One. So many names to mention, aren't there? I tell you what, wouldn't it be gutting if you were a key man to your team all season and then you missed out on a final? I'm just hoping, fingers crossed, Scotland's Craig Bryson gets the chance to play in a final because he missed the second leg of the semi-finals against Brighton, unfortunately. He's weighed in with 16 league goals. He had a hat-trick against Nottingham Forest. He has been a real key figure for Derby all season and will be in the final to get them up. I think other teams will definitely have an eye on him, but as Kate said, I think it'll be more your kind of Will Hughes and, uh, and um, George Thorne who may be tempted elsewhere. I think Derby need to keep hold of players like Craig Bryce and I think the fact he's a really good age, he's a wonderfully skillful midfielder. It'd be nice to have him um, as well playing in that league when he makes that a step up. Steve McLaren has definitely got the best out of him. I don't know what he's doing as a manager there, but whatever he's doing, he's doing it brilliantly. Took over when Derby were 14th when he arrived in October. A record number of points and the championship's highest scorer. So good luck to them. Yes, good luck. Uh, Well, we'll leave it there for a moment and we'll take a short break for Twitter topic of the week. And I've got a feeling, a sneaky feeling, that quite a few footballers' phones might be ringing this week. (laughs) Uh, We asked in Twitter topic of the week who you would call off the back of the Paul Scholes incident with Jack Wilshire giving him a bell went after he criticised him. Um, which footballers would you like to call? Sean Thorne has got all of your tweets. Twitter topic of the week. 
Hello everyone, it's Sean here with Twitter Topic of the Week this week. And this week we are talking about phone calls with footballers. So after uh, Scolzi tore apart one of Jack Wilshire's performances on the telly, Jack Wilshire, quite a humble bloke, just phoned up Scolzi just to, to ask for a bit of advice. So we're asking you guys this week, if you could phone any footballer and have a little chat with them, who would it be and what would you chat about? The FA qualified coach says, though I'm an Arsenal fan, I'd have to say Gary Neville because he's the most sense-talking pundit around. No bias, straight and honest pundit. I'm with you on that one. Uh, Tom S has gone for Pat Nevin. Intelligent bloke. He's seen the game from all the angles. Plus, he's got a cracking taste in music as well. Uh, Scott Cowlin's going to give Roy Keane a call just to find out how much he really hates Fergie and just let it go on and on and on. I hope you've got plenty of free minutes for that call, Scott. Stevenage FC Ant, he's gone for Robbie Fowler because he's sure that he could convince him to put his boots back on because he's gagging to get back. Not sure how much of in a rush Robbie Fowler is going to be to play for Stevenage, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. You're going to need an extra few goals from somewhere, though, because I'm not sure Luke Freeman's sticking around. Stuart, he suffers from insomnia, so uh, he's going to give Alan Shearer a call to get him back to sleep. Oh, Stuart. Poor Shearer. Taylor and Bestie would ring Hayton Ben Arthur and talk about his favourite sandwiches. Why not, eh? Cheers to everyone who got involved in this week's Twitter Topic of the Week. I've been Sean Thorne. I'm going to hand you back to the girls. Thank you very much, Sean. Uh, we've got our third and final topic, um, Julio Iglesias. Uh, we all know. Has anyone got, um, or parents got any of his records, by the way? Just thought I'd do a quick straw poll. Probably, but I'd like to say no and try and keep my parents still cool in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep mine cool. How about yours, Kate Borsay? Mine are so cool. Mine are just jazz and classical music. <laughs> there, there, there is literally no popular music in the Borsay household at all. Debatable that jazz is cool, but... Although they might not have a record, my dad probably has a programme from the days when Iglesias played football. More likely that, I reckon. Uh, it's all stemming from the fact that he used to be a really good goalkeeper and he played for Real Madrid Castillas and then ended up going into music as was much more successful, obviously, in music, even though it was way before our times and maybe even our parents. Um, but let's talk about other people that were good at football, maybe got to quite a good level, but have been much more famous for doing or much more successful for doing something else. I'm going to start with Hayley. Well, Gordon Ramsay, we all know as the celebrity chef with the bleep, 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 bleep. Anyway, he used to play for Rangers. A lot of people kind of forget that, but he was a genuine, um, decent footballer who played for Rangers. Now he has this relationship with David Beckham, as we know, with his wife, Tana and Victoria. But they don't just have um, food in common, which is quite funny with Victoria, really, isn't it? You wouldn't think she looks like she eats too much. Uh, But no, they all have football in common. Um, He's a good London lad as well. Another from the... Um, Essex side of London, uh, Mark Wright, before he was in the only way as Essex, he was actually semi-professional. He had a career at Tottenham Hotspur as a youth player and he actually rekindled his semi-professional footballing career. He signed for St Neots Town in January 2012. Okay, they might just be St Neots, but yes, he was a youth player at Tottenham Hotspur but gave it all up because he basically said he needed to get an education he just wasn't quite good enough. Kate, your turn to pitch in. Well, this chap's no longer with us, but I thought it was a really interesting story. So, born in 1923, this takes us back a few eras, so not really from our era, but an interesting one to mention nonetheless. Um, He's from Iceland, went over to Scotland to study business, started playing for Rangers. Okay, after a short stint there, he went to play for Arsenal, played in several matches for Arsenal. 
I've just spotted his name, which is why you haven't said it yet. <laughs> no, I'm going to reveal all at the end. Thank okay. you very much. My, my Icelandic's very good, Lindsay Hooper. Um, so, yeah, started playing for Arsenal. He didn't get a work permit in England, um, so he couldn't turn professional for Arsenal. So instead he went to French club Nancy. He then signed for AC Milan before injury really ruined his career um, and he headed back to Iceland. So what did he do when he headed back to Iceland? Well, this is what made him most famous. He became the Minister of Finance and the Minister of Industry. He even ran for president in 1980 oh, wow. but lost. The chap's name, Albert Goodmanson. Look him up. No longer with us. Uh, left the mortal coil in 1994. But yeah, from Arsenal and uh, AC Milan to the Minister of Finance. When did he run for president? Because I'm sure you just said 1980 and that would make him... <laughs> No, it was it was 1980. Really? He didn't. He wasn't the oldest when he left this earth, Lindsay Hooper. Okay, okay. Uh, what was his name again? Albert Goodmanson. Uh, what was his middle name? Segura. <laughs> it's so not Segura. Um, I'm going to go for a religious angle on this one, and I'm going to give you two people who, okay, they didn't go to very much dizzying heights of footballing careers, but they were both goalkeepers and both have religious overtones. So I'm going to start with the holy goalie. Um, This is Leonard Small. Um, He was the moderator of the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland, and he was a chaplain to the Queen, which is what he's most famous for. But he also was a very good goalkeeper. Um, He played for Edinburgh university football team and he had uh, high hopes I think a lot of people tipping him to do very well he played as an amateur for Scotland back in 1929 so I'm going back in the dark ages as well Kate Um, and he was a real popular figure uh, amongst the league Um, the church asked him to give up goalkeeping and he did Um, but he still wrote an autobiography The Holy Goalie which is why I mentioned that Um, and he was in love with the game but um, showed much promise but obviously decided to go with his religious beliefs first and then John Paul II the Pope. Um, did you know that he was also a very good goalkeeper? He played for his university, he played for his school sides, apparently was um, from scouts and things, told that he'd got a very powerful build. Um, and in <laughs> 1939, he put an end to his football career and dedicated his life to the Catholic Church. But did you know that? Are we talking Emil Heskey powerful or are we talking, you know, like actual Hulk powerful? Hulk, because he'd have the divine power, wouldn't he? Oh, I see. Um, Any more? Talking about religious, what about David Icke, of course, he became more famous for his slightly bizarre religious <laughs> beliefs. Uh, and he's a goalkeeper as well, so perhaps it's something about goalkeepers. Uh, quick one, in, in fact, probably similarly known for both careers. Curtis Woodhouse, uh, formerly of Sheffield United and Birmingham, went on to become the light welterweight British boxing champion recently in February. Linking that in, actually, Ricky Hatton, boxer, yeah. as we know, he had trials for Manchester City. He didn't play for the youth team, so it's not like he was a famous footballer and then went to become a boxer. However, his dad and his granddad would both like him to have played for Manchester City, not because they were fans, but his dad actually played for Man City and so did his granddad as well. But he decided to join a local boxing club to get fit to play a little bit more football. But in actual fact, he was just so good at boxing, he took that up instead. And for anyone who's a big fan of the chase or law and order, Bradley Walsh, he played for Brentford um, and actually he he didn't make the first team but he did go on um, to play for Dunstable Town. He got an ankle fracture which which slowed him down a little bit but he had 25 appearances for Dunstable Town, 15 goals. He went on loan to Barnet as well in the 1978 to 79 season. So Bradley Walsh. How's this though for one? We all know that 
right now, Vinnie Jones out there, Hollywood actor, possibly if you can call him that. I'm not too sure what he's doing at the moment, but he has appeared. Heart attack specialist, yeah. Um, Legend of those adverts. Was a footballer. We all know he was part of the crazy gang, played for Wimbledon, of course. But there'll be a generation now that don't remember that Vinnie Jones. Like the kids that are coming up now that won't know that David Beckham played football. Of course they do because he's David Beckham. But we're really lucky that we grew up watching players like this. Maybe in 20 years' time, Cristiano Ronaldo will be some model. I don't know. Something He'll be doing something, won't he? Be like, oh, yeah, that guy who used to play football, David Beckham. Vinnie Jones, that guy who used to play football. But they were so famous for playing football. Now they're obviously doing different things, David Beckham. I'm an ambassador for pretty much everything. But yeah, Vinnie Jones, hard man. I'd never have had him down as going on and, and appearing in Hollywood, but it, it does happen. George Clooney was apparently a really great um, baseball player and uh, would have signed up professionally, but instead went on and, and tried to be an actor. And thank goodness he did. Thank goodness he did. Uh, we've got one more quick break. We've got Law, who's just rounding up everything that happened in the French leagues. All of the leagues coming to an end. It's that time of the year, isn't it? Here's Law James. Filling the gap between the end of the domestic season and World Cup preparation, journalists are getting excited about French transfers. Bafetim Bigomis, the Lyon striker who has for some time been monitored by English clubs, is in talks with Galatasaray, Turkish media have said. At Parc des Princes, goalkeeper Salvatore Sirigu has agreed a new deal, but Adrian Rabiot is still waiting at Paris Saint-Germain, frustrated at those who are involved dragging their heels. Meanwhile, Monaco have confirmed Eric Abidal will have contract extension negotiations from next week, which is great news for him, despite Claudio Ranieri having departed as manager. He's been succeeded by Leonardo Yardim. France boss Didier Deschamps has said excluding Abidal from his selection was one of the hardest decisions he's had to make. Brazilian Lucas has also missed out on playing for his country, but he said he doesn't regret moving to Paris Saint-Germain and believes he's one of the strongest players there in his position. If I were the manager, he said, I would pick me. Ex-pros in France are known for their winning pedigree and we're about to find out how they will do as managers. Bordeaux have said they're finally going to hold a press conference to announce the arrival of Zinedine Zidane and Claude Makélélé is about to take over at SC Bastia on a two-year deal. Thanks very much for that, Laura. Next week we'll be rounding up the remaining foreign leagues and it will be our final podcast of the 2013-14 season. <laughs> Before we're back for the World Cup. Hurrah! Mid- yeah, I know, mid-June, so mid to end June we'll be back with some World Cup specials. Brilliant, but one more to go and um, Kate and Hayley are going to be on that one. I won't be, I'm afraid. I'm I'm away. So this is a final bow out from me. So thank you very much for listening this season. And remember to check out all of the new content on the website as well, offsiderallpodcast.com. We've got loads of new blogs in there. We're already talking about the World Cup, which is coming up, um, some great features. And give us a follow on Twitter as well, at offsiderallpod. Thanks very much, and we'll see you next time. The Female Take on Football. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.